Hello, my name is Persia. Recently, I have been talking to my friends about what they were obsessed with as kids. Just like the thing that they would not stop reading or watching or playing with or listening to over and over again. So once they tell me what that thing is, we talk about it and then we both go back and experience it. Them again, me maybe for the first time. Today I am talking with Dina. Dina is actually Sarah's cousin from the Liar Liar episode. I met her while Sarah and I were in college. And then Dina actually moved to Brooklyn not far from me a couple years ago. She's a writer and she actually picked a book, um, The Babysitter's Club, Keep Out Claudia. I have on on my book, it says, win your own babysitter's charm bracelet. Details inside. Do you have that on your book? Oh, where does it say that? It says it like in a little circle, like in the picture. I don't have that. Oh, you don't have the opportunity to win your own babysitter's charm bracelet? Hmm. No, yeah, I don't have that sticker. Did you enter the contest? <laughs> no, I can't find the details inside. It's got real old book vibes. Like the pages are like yellow, like yeah. brown kind of. It's like crinkly. Oh, here we go. Enter the Babysitter's Club super special trivia giveaway. Win a locket charm bracelet. There's only 10 winners. Oh, wow. And you could be one of them. And I could be one of them. Oh, 15 second prize winners and 25 third prize winners. You can get a cassette player. Wow. My book has ads in the back. I can get a calendar. Yeah, I see student planner and date book. I'm going to make you do the trivia. I After I read it? No, before. Oh, I don't remember this enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blanks with the correct babysitter's name. She has always lived on Bradford Court. I, I really don't remember any of these. This is she a waste is originally of time. from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> baseball is her favorite sport. You're not I, so okay. Well. The baseball one, I think it's Christy. Oh, okay. She helped Jackie Radowski build a volcano for a science project. I don't know. No. All right. She, she burns easily at the beach. That's just like the whitest one. Whoever is whitest. She has two pierced holes in each ear. I, wow. I'm pretty easy. sure that's Claudia. Claudia has the pierced ears. Yeah. And the last one is she would like to be an author. I don't. I'm Marianne. Dina Elginati. Dina Elginati, yeah. <laughs> okay, we can get started. Okay. You did great. You got like two out of seven or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a book series that I haven't read since third grade, that's a great score. <laughs> so I asked you about something you were obsessed with as a kid. And you said the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. So I was like trying to think of like books or movies and I read a lot as a kid the first book series that I got really into was the babysitter's club and then once I got over that then I was really into Nancy Drew and then I was really into Agatha Christie novels uh and then Harry Potter I guess this is a great trajectory the babysitter's club was the first one and I guess that's why I chose it because it's like I was the youngest the youngest of my book series I feel like a lot of kids read detective books, a lot of Nancy Drew, a lot of like Encyclopedia Brown, oh, Hardy Boys. And that's also Agatha Christie, I guess is British, but it also, I feel like it's Nancy Drew and the Babysitter's Club and Hardy Boys. It's also very Americana. Yeah, I think Agatha Christie was like, I graduated from Nancy Drew and I needed like more complex mysteries. <laughs> a bigger challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember... How old you were when you started reading Babysitter's Club? Maybe like, I want to say first or second grade, but I don't know. Maybe this is too hard for a first grader. I think Babysitter's Club started in like 86. So like a little bit before you were born. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just like early 90s thing. No. And then because there's a, a shit ton of them, this is number. So y you picked specifically number 56 of the Babysitter's Club. Keep out, Claudia. Yes. The reason I picked it, well, I remember that Claudia was my favorite character. And so I was just looking for a Claudia book. And this one seemed 
Interesting. I don't remember if I read this one specifically because I read a bunch of them. And I still have a lot of them, but they're my mom or my dad has them. But yeah, I liked Claudia. So that w- that's why I picked this one. Why do you think Claudia was your favorite? Well, actually, ex- explain to us really quick, like, what the Babysitter's Club is about, like, what the vibe is of the books. Okay, so it's a bunch of, like, teenage girls that babysit kids, but they formed a club together. And so they, like, just know a bunch of, I guess, families that need to need babysitters. And so they the families will like call the babysitters club hotline and they'll be like who is available at this time and they choose who gets to go and stuff and then it also deals with just like their friend drama and their family drama and also babysitting drama i guess <laughs> yeah so is it like a money making scheme like the idea is that like they if they work together they can like always have gigs I think it was more just like, we're friends, and this is a fun thing to do. But like, obviously, they make money from it. But I don't think that was ever the focus of the book. Okay. I'm like, but how? I was like, what are their rates? Are they competitive? Yeah. Is there a tip system? Do the tips get split? Or is it like whoever was working that night? Yeah, I I think it was just whoever was working gets paid. But I don't recall any of the books getting into the intricacies of payment. Okay. You know, like, is it an LLC? Is it taxable? It's not an LLC. (laughs) I actually, I babysat a lot as a kid. And it's, I guess it seems like their babysitting shtick is like, if like parents need a babysitter, like one night a week randomly, if they like go out to the movies or something. Because I feel like when I was babysitting, I was babysitting very frequently. Like for one family, I would babysit like pretty frequently for like a year and a half or something. Oh, yeah. No, I think this is like when a family needs a babysitter for something and they they were in contact with a lot of families so gotcha <laughs> they had a monopoly over the neighborhood <laughs> and do you actually do you remember the like neighborhood or like the town that they live in um i don't remember the town i just remember like details about like characters and things like that gotcha i think it's interesting though that as a kid my favorite character is the only person of color in the group. Yeah. So who are the who are the babysitters? Well, they're listed right here on the back of the book. Christy Thomas, president. Claudia Kishi, vice president. Marianne Spear, secretary. Stacy McGill, treasurer. Don Schaefer, alternate officer. <laughs> Mallory Pike, junior officer. And Jessica Ramsey, junior officer. I don't remember Jessica Ramsey. All the other names <laughs> are familiar. Jessica Ramsey. Like, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> I don't know what a, what a junior officer of a babysitter's club could <laughs> possibly, like, what is the scope of your responsibilities being a junior officer at the babysitter's club? Like, keep the peace? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it also seems like if they have roles that pay cuts are happening based on, on like, <laughs> where you're, where you are in the, uh, in the rundown. I, I'm thinking Christy Thomas is getting a lot of the money. She might be the most in-demand babysitter. Oh. So were, like, the rest of them white, to your memory? Yeah, they were all Except for all Claudia? White, except for Claudia. But Claudia is part of the, like, top four Ye- girls. Yeah. I guess. She's Japanese, from what I remember. Were you thinking about that, like, in any sort of way? I mean, because you're Egyptian. You're not East Asian. Yeah. Do you remember thinking about it, like, clearly as a kid, or you or you didn't really have that sort of context yet. I don't, I don't remember thinking about that at all as a kid, which is why I'm saying like it's interesting that that was my favorite character because I wonder if like subconsciously I thought of it because so this book that I chose seems like it's about racism. That, like, Claudia meets the family and the kids are rude and the family calls and say they want any sitter except Claudia and she doesn't know what she did wrong. So my first thought was, like, oh, is this about racism? Maybe that was something that I, like, didn't consciously think about as a kid but but came up in these books. But also what I remember is that I just thought Claudia was cool 
I don't know. She, I think they described her as like dressing kind of cool. And then she always had stashes of candy in her room. And I, I found that to be very relatable because to this day I have stashes of candy everywhere. <laughs> and even more relatable, I saw in the Wikipedia for the description of her character, it was like she has a lot of candy in her room and like likes to hang out. But despite her eating habits, she maintains a a good figure and clean and clear skin. <laughs> I I knew it. I knew it was about me. <laughs> wild to I don't know how old these girls are supposed to be, like fourteen or something. Yeah. But wild to say a fourteen year old has a good figure. Yeah, I mean it was the early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you? It was like almost like a serialized thing that you liked about the books. I mean, because they made a bunch of them, so it was kind of like you just felt very um, interested in, like, the general goings-on between, like, the girls. Yeah. I I think I do like being, like, invested in a series in the way that, like, you're invested in a TV show. And so I've probably always been like that. So it was like, ooh, there's another book. Like, there's so many. And you can get all these different backstories. And I've always liked that. I have big news for you. Yes. Netflix is coming out with The Babysitter's Club as a TV show this summer. I know. There was a movie, too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I remember. Did you see the movie? I've seen the movie a long time ago. All right. So are you excited to read it? Yeah. Okay. I have to say, the so the the cover of our books is like Claudia standing in like a hall a hallway looking kind of dejected. She has a side ponytail, very important. And like is it like a dress or a romper? It's like buttoned all the way to the neck and there's a necklace over it and a is it a jean jacket or a jean vest with like fringes. I it might be a fringed jean vest and cowboy boots. Anyway, it's a whole yeah. look. And behind her are these three evil little blonde children that all look like they might be part of the Trump family. <laughs> they, they're they really creepy looking. They're horrifying. And this yeah. little ass boy is wearing a full suit and tie. <laughs> yeah. The girls are dressed like porcelain dolls. Yeah, like haunt- haunted dolls. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just like, I think so far, I think the book is giving you a good idea of what is about to happen. Yeah, I thought Claudia was really cool. Actually, going back to one of your earlier questions, I do remember the plot line, a plot line of one book. Her grandmother dies in one of the books. And I remember that was like Claudia's character was very close to her grandmother, Mimi. And so there was a book that was really sad because Mimi dies. And that stands out in my memory. It was it was like not one that I was that was one of my favorites because it was sad, but <laughs> but I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, well it sounds impactful, I think. Especially yeah. for little kids like thinking about their grandparents. Yeah. Well, we're I'm gonna let you go ahead and read the book. Okay. But before we do that, I'm thinking would you, do you want to go ahead and just read the back of the book, the little like the description on the back of the book? Yeah. So it says, The babysitters love getting new clients. So when the Lowells contact the club, everyone is thrilled. For Marianne, sitting for the Lowells turns out to be a snap. The kids are adorable and obedient. But when Claudia meets the family, Mrs. Lowell will barely look her in the eye. And the kids are downright rude. The next time Mrs. Lowell calls the BSC, she requests another sitter. Anyone but Claudia. Claudia has no idea what she did wrong, but the BSC won't rest until they find out. How many days ago did you read the book? Mm, I don't know. I few days. I think I finished it. Like on Thursday or Wednesday. Oh, that was really quick. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was enjoyable. I was less interested in the babysitting scenes. Like them, you know, entertaining the kids and stuff. I was like, okay, boring. And then like this, I liked the scenes where they're 
talking to each other and trying to figure out if the mom is racist and things like that. Yeah, so I didn't expect, I don't know if most Babysitter Club books are like this. I don't know if it triggered any of your memories, but there was like an A plot and a B plot. The A plot, I guess, the plot that I liked, same as you, was the one where they're like trying to figure out if Mrs. Lowell is like a racist bitch. And then there's this B plot where they're like, we want to, all the like rest of the families that they babysit with their like all their little kids want to start like a band. They want to like play like songs from a musical. And so it like alternates. Every chapter is like, one is like, is she racist? And the other one is like, what if we played this song from Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah. Well, then it came together because the racist woman was like, Fiddler on the Roof? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that seemed like, it was almost like Seinfeld, you know, like when, like it, the things congeal at the end, like everything comes together and you're like, wow, the A plot and the B plot were one plot all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other thing about the beep... Uh, actually, I feel like you would know this as someone who like does storytelling. Which plot is the A plot and which plot is the B plot? Is it just in the order that they're introduced? Or like how no, do you... Which one is A? Is which I one would is B? say the, the racist family plot was the A plot. I think the one that takes up the most space and is the most compelling is the A plot. Okay. Because I honestly, it did feel like they spent the same if not more time on the musical band situation but it also maybe just felt that way because the issue for me about introducing an idea or a plot where all the girls take all the kids that they babysit which is like a shit ton of kids and then put them together in a band is essentially we were introduced to like 20 different characters yeah too many characters (laughs) there were so many so many little kids I was like speed. I was trying to like speed read it through. I was like, I don't care what Jackie thinks, yeah, or Shay, or Hannah, or Larry. I was just like, who are I these children? I don't even remember their names. They're just a one amorphous blob of <laughs> child, <laughs> and they all like play kazoo's or yeah. like little like tin cans that are drums. I was also like, wait, so. The babysitters taught them to play instruments, and I'm like, hold on, did they like? Do they know how to read music? And they taught these kids how to read music and they taught them the notes. Like, how did they pull this together? (laughs) The whole thing was very loosely. (laughs) Yeah. Loosely orchestrated as far as I can tell. But yeah, I was like essentially skimming those sections, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. But the book opens, the book actually, I guess, opens with the B plot. Claudia, so the book is told from Claudia's perspective. It's, what is that, first person perspective? Yeah, but it's weird because it's not fully first person because we still get scenes of the other babysitters babysitting right. different kids. And so... Told in, like, third person? I'm, like, trying so yeah, much to remember Yeah, it's told in third person, but then some, like, interjection from Claudia in the first person as though, like, she were told these, in, like, all of these details and dialogue and she's now telling us. Yeah, I kind of described it as it sort of feels like she's writing a diary, so, like, some of it is, like, her talking about her experience and some of it is, like, oh, like, secondhand, this is what Marianne did or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so the book opens, Claudia's babysitting these other three kids and she comes up with the musical idea or whatever. That's, like, the first little bit. That's kind of a cold open. And then the second chapter, I guess, is the babysitter's club meeting. And then the book gives you the whole rundown of, like, what the babysitter's club is and who all the main characters are. There's like a good chapter of exposition, which I assume in like a serialized book that you, you have to do that so that you can jump in at any issue. I guess so. I thought that was interesting because I remember like a lot of these different character traits and things, stories as I was reading it. But I was just wondering like, every single book, do they give all of this background about every character and just write it a little bit differently every time or um but yeah I I don't I don't remember was there anything particular that you were like oh I remember that yeah that like your memory the kid kits that was something I remember because I remember reading it as a kid and thinking that the kid kits were really cool and I like wished that I had a kid (laughs) kit (laughs) wait say what a kid kit is really quick So the babysitters in the babysitters club, they put together these kits for all the kids they babysit. And it has like 
coloring books or like games and things for like different activities for the kids that they would like. And they bring them on each job and then they'll update them with different things as time goes. So I, as a kid, remember reading about kid kits and being like, wow, that's cool. I wish I had a kid kit with all these activities in it. Yeah, they talk about, so in the rundown, in the like exposition chapter, they talk about like that the Babysitter's Club was founded. They founded it in seventh grade, but now the members are 13, except for the junior officers who I was wondering when you were reading the back before and like who all the, like what a junior officer is. So the junior officers are um, 11 years old. And they're not allowed to babysit at night. And um, yeah. the junior officers are Mal and Jesse. Yeah. And I remember when you at- interviewed me the first time, you had me like read everyone on- and names on the back of the book. And I got to Jessica Ramsey and I was like, who is that? And then as soon as I started reading and it said Jesse, I was like, oh, I remember Jesse. I just didn't know her name was Jessica. <laughs> Right. So actually there is, they're not all white instead of Claudia. Jesse is black. Yeah. So it's yeah. Jesse and Claudia and, and then everyone else is white. Yeah. And so Jesse, though, I was looking into it more, was introduced later in the series. And so she wasn't part of the original group. And that might be why I didn't immediately remember her also. Yeah. I think she honestly might have been introduced last even they say, yeah. like, even when Claudia's talking about, like, all the members and stuff, I think she says, like, then this person joined, then this person joined. Jesse might have been, like, one of the last people to join. She talks about all the members. I It sounds like she has a girl crush on Christy, or maybe more than a girl crush. She's on like, Christy? Oh, Christy, Christy, the president, she's like, oh, my God, Christy, she was the founder. She thought of all these cool ideas. She has this cool big family. And then she was like, oh, of course she has a boyfriend. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Claudia kept on being like, it's no surprise that she has a boyfriend. And I was like, is it no surprise, Claudia? <laughs> no surprise to you. Maybe. But I was also like, 13-year-olds shouldn't have boyfriends. I've become my mother so quickly. Well, I remember, like, boy drama being in other books. Like, there's this book, one of them was, like, Logan Likes Marianne. And they mention Logan in this book. He's one of, like, the alternate babysitters. Yeah, but he comes in if the rest of them can't do it. But yeah, there's some, like, 13-year-old boy drama in other books. I remember remember my own 13-year-old boy drama (laughs) when I thought I was an adult. Yeah. That's the whole thing is like I when I think about like a 13-year-old or even an 11-year-old, I mean, they have 11-year-olds babysitting kids. I, as a 25-year-old, think that that's fucking insane (laughs) that you would like have children doing this. But I myself did this sort of stuff like at their age. Well, as a kid reading it, so like now I'm looking at it, I'm like 13, 11, like they're babysitting. They're so young. They have all the, they have boy drama. And as a kid reading it, 13 seemed like grown up to me. I was like, wow, that's the age. They're so cool. Look at their lives. That's what I want to be. <laughs> that's so true. Cause you were like eight or nine. Like the kids reading this are like eight. Yeah. So like a 13 year old is a teenager and a teenager is like practically an adult. Yeah. And they're cool. <laughs> Especially Claudia. Especially Claudia, who also, when she first meets Mrs. Lowell, Mrs. Lowell is like obviously giving her attitude. Claudia's like, Is it my really cool outfit? Is it too cool for this old <laughs> white lady? And she's yeah. like, Everyone at school says I look awesome. And I was like, I bet you do look <laughs> awesome, Claudia. Well, but the last thing I wanted to say about the chapter where she talks about all the different members and stuff, and there's like a lot of members, it's a pretty long series of like rundowns, is that it seems very much like, and this whole book is very much like, you know, teaching kids about different kinds of people. The rundown of all the different babysitters very much felt like that, just straight off the bat, talking about, like, some kids' parents are divorced, and, like, some kids' parents are remarried, and, like, some kids have step-siblings. One girl has diabetes. Like, it's very it, – it just felt like we are trying to normalize yeah. different kinds of families and children. Yeah. I sort of – also reading that just sort of remembered, like, other – books like I remember when they revealed that she had diabetes and there was like a whole book about it and I I don't know maybe I also related to the the fact that so many of them had divorced parents yeah a lot of them have divorced parents I was actually kind of surprised 
But it did feel like a lot of them that had divorced parents, I feel like all their parents got remarried. Like, it didn't seem like anyone came from a single parent household. Yeah. Well, so at the time I was reading it, my parents were not remarried yet. So I just had divorced parents. But I also didn't have any friends with divorced parents. So this could have been like, you know, I don't really remember thinking like, oh, relatable. But I could see that as a child, I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to discount it. Because yeah. like now, now, uh, of course, as adults, it seems transparent, sort of the inclination behind, you know, including all these different sorts of family um, structures. I don't know. The more I reread children literature as an adult, I'm like, I just wonder, well, we'll get to this later, especially about like confronting racism. But I just wonder like how effective this sort of storytelling is for kids, like how much of it is just feeling represented and how much of it is like actually like molding children's minds into having different worldviews. Yeah, I don't know. The racism storyline in this book also was very like cut and dry. Like the- <laughs> she's like a mon- she's like a monster that like exists only in myth. I mean, not really, but yeah, she's like the mythic white lady of racism that like you hear about. She's like the ultimate Karen. It's just like I, she hates all non-white people and would prefer you to be blonde. Yeah, like and, <laughs> I was gonna say, she hates all non-white people and also most white people. Yeah. She doesn't like the Jews or the Catholics or the Russians or the Poles. Like it, it's like it's like some like fresh like 19th century racism, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so the whole purpose of the babysitters club meetings is that they like get calls during that meeting and they like deal out who is going to go babysit for the families that call in to ask for their services. And so Mrs. Lowell calls. And they just like, oh, who's free? And one of the girls, Marianne, is free. And so she goes, she babysits the three Lowell kids who are eight, six, and three, two girls and one boy. And when someone goes on a babysitting job, they like do a little handwritten account of like what happened. They keep notes of each babysitting job so that everyone knows sort of what's going on in everybody else's lives. And uh, Marianne is like, oh, they're like, Nice and pretty, like she says, like China dolls, which I was like, that <laughs> sounds not not nice or pretty. But even though Mary Ann's visit is like totally fine and essentially normal, it still felt like the start of a Jordan Peele movie. Yeah, there was also like one red flag that I noted that I thought was also kind of funny. But when she talks about one of the babysitters having a lot of siblings the kids go, oh, she must be Catholic. And I was like, weird, weird thing to include in there. And then as I kept reading, it made sense. Yeah, there are two. So there are two red flags in the first visit with Marianne is she's talking about another babysitter who has a bunch of siblings. And the kids say, oh, she must be Catholic, which is like, seems pretty advanced, like a nuance for kids to understand. But I guess the idea is that they just parrot what their parents say. And then there's the other thing where they're watching TV and they see some Asian kids and they're like giggling and being like, look at their eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just felt like I was like, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Like already, even though Marianne is like, well, that's kind of weird. It's creepy, but she doesn't think too much of it. You know, it's like creepiness under the veneer of like the American dream, (laughs) which is like, I feel like that's what Jordan Peele's (laughs) shtick is. Yeah. And then whatever they do, the musical, I like literally all my notes are like racism and like there's so much detail in my notes. And then like B plot, they are starting a musical or band. And then it's like racism. And then it's like B plot. They're again trying to teach children instruments or something. Yeah. I thought it was cool, though, that they actually have like a good conversation about racism. Like they talk about skinheads and the KKK. And I was like, wow, this is. A lot. Yeah, they do. like. That's what I said. I said quick history lesson. So there's this back and forth for a while where like, so they send Mary Ann. It's fine. Then they send Claudia and it's like Claudia makes it past the door. But like the experience is not great. And Mrs. Lowell doesn't seem happy. And then Christy goes, the president who's white. Oh, no, no. Sorry. And then Jesse first. And then Jesse goes. So Mrs. Lowell calls back and she does that famous line, you know, anyone but Claudia, please send me another babysitter, but anyone but Claudia. And so they think it's weird, but they can't figure out why. And then they send Jesse. 
And Jesse, poor 11-year-old Jesse, goes and Mrs. Lowell slams the door in her face, opens the door, sees a little black girl and just says, oh, I'm sorry, I actually don't need a babysitter and closes the door, which is like horrifying. And I think by that point, it's sort of obvious what's happening. I mean, the girls are still a little like, "Eh," they're still a little iffy about it. Yeah. But after Christy... Christy, like, goes herself. She's like, I'm the president. I'm going to figure out what's happening. She goes and she sort of investigates. And, you know, the kids say that Claudia looks funny. And they say that their mom didn't like Jesse. And Christy goes home and talks to her parents and says, like, I think Mrs. Lowell is a racist. And the, the interesting thing is, well, this is another thing I want to talk about. The interesting thing is, Christy goes to her parents, says, I think Mrs. Lowell is a racist. And her... I forget exactly who she's talking to. Her mom or whatever says, that's a strong word. Yeah. But but then she tells them what actually happened. And they're like, you're right. Yeah. She's a racist. She's a racist. But yeah, it was just interesting. Because it seemed to me, and it sort of brought back a memory. I don't know if you had the same experience. But I feel like a lot of times in school, particularly, when we talked about racism, we talked about prejudice. I feel like we use the word prejudice a lot. And they use the word prejudice in this yeah. book a lot, too. And I don't know if that has sort of fallen out of style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember that also when they started using the word prejudice in this book. I was like, oh, we did use the word prejudice a lot in elementary school. And that was like how they framed things. They didn't really call things racist. It was just prejudice. Yeah. Which. It's like racism light. I don't know. I don't really know exactly when we made that switch yeah but yeah we used to say even people are prejudiced like we used to say that about people yeah and now i feel like i don't maybe they still say prejudice in elementary schools well i thought it was good that they did use the word racist here they like actually even though prejudice was thrown around a lot they still called it racism yeah and i appreciated that i also i wrote down this note about on one page when stacy starts like claiming reverse racism yes oh my god i also made the reverse (laughs) racism note what page is that 122 122 i was like Um, they get so close to saying reverse racism and then they pull back yeah she says she's like upset she goes claudia geez cried dawn stace and i are blonde haired blue-eyed people besides if we say anything like that then we're no better than the lowells that's bigoted too and stacy goes isn't there a term for that reverse something or other and then claudia says oh who cares which is yeah which is my feeling yeah because it's in response to claudia saying okay we'll say we don't sit for blonde haired blue-eyed people <laughs> they do I feel like they do give the other babysitters a lot of like screen time, page time. Like a lot of the white babysitters to be like, Well, I'm Polish. Like, will she not like me? Or like, will the skinheads come get me because my grandparents were Russian? And I was like, I mean, probably not, but I guess that is how kids think to an extent. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was just like, ah, these white people just making everything about them again. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, like that is what it was like, but I also didn't... It felt very true to what a kid would... How a kid would react. Do you know what I mean? Like, as adults, we sort of teach ourselves to, like, you need to give other people the space. Like, it's this is not about you. You know, like, allyship and the whole rhetoric around that is a lot about, like, this is not about you. Give other people the space. Like, that kind of stuff. But it feels... As, like, shitty as it was, it feels natural for kids to be like, what about me? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The other thing I wanted to say, oh, what you were talking about earlier with the, they do, yeah, they do kind of a history, like, they do actually give the kids, I guess, some, like, history. Because Christy, when she goes, first goes to her parents and tells them that she thinks Mrs. Lowell is racist, they say stuff about, like, you know, every generation you think this will end and it never does year after year you think racism will stop and it it just doesn't yeah i was like and still today (laughs) and now it's 2020 yeah when the kids talk about it they they do that thing where they're like oh yeah you know i mean it's like really quick hits like one of the characters like yeah well there were slaves in the united states and there were nazis in world war ii and now there's the kkk claudia's dad also gives like a little history lesson or her sister also, because she goes home and tells her dad and her sister about it, and they tell her about Japanese people being held in concentration camps. And then, you know, she's like, 
shocked that that would happen in America. I was actually pretty, I guess, happily surprised that they talked about Japanese internment camps because I feel like that's one of those things that you like. I don't know. Japanese internment always seems like something they sort of slip under the door of American history. Yeah. It's like a little side note. One thing I noticed, though, is that they don't call it internment camps. They call it concentration camps, which I really? thought, yeah, was rare that that because that because i remember it's on page 91 they do say because uh when claudia's first when they first tell claudia she's like shocked shocked and they're like well they weren't like death camps yeah they were like holding camps but do they call them concentration camps yeah he says or her sister says thousands of japanese were interned in concentration camps in the united states and claudia says there were concentration camps here in america Oh, that's interesting. No, you're right, because we usually don't call them concentration camps. Yeah. But that's her sister says they weren't death camps, but they were, you know, places where American Japanese were made to stay during the war. I mean, I thought that I thought when Claudia goes to talk to her dad and her sister, it's sort of a powerful moment because essentially the whole book, I was like, okay, where are the parents? (laughs) It's pretty heavy to be dealing with just a what is the word viral virulent just a horrendous racist and just a bunch of kids versus someone who's i don't know 40 something yeah who's discriminating against a kid grown business i kind of wanted something more to happen at the end though like she yeah i wanted the parents to like come together and tell her i don't know what they would have been able to do get her what do we do now get them fired dox her yeah some form of retribution but they were just like, now we know about racism and the Lowells suck. They do talk about, it seems like they're concerned for the Lowell kids, which is understandable. They yeah. they feel like they can't really do anything about her, but, you know, they want to make sure that the Lowell kids aren't essentially being brainwashed by their mother. But there was also a line that I remembered, which was someone says, like, someone says, it's not our job to teach the Lowells. You know, it's not our yeah. responsibility to fix this family. Which is true, but I feel like it is our responsibility to punish her. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they also point out at one point, like, oh, well, we're also just kids. (laughs) So there's only so much they can do (laughs) as children. No, you're right. I was the also thing I wanted to pinpoint about sort of the interesting way they had their discussion about racism is two things. So one, when they're all just talking amongst the babysitters club about it, Jesse says something interesting. Chrissy kind of says the rundown, like, I think they're being racist. And that's why this happened. And Jesse says, it's happened to me before. And Claudia says, well, it hasn't happened to me before. And as small, like that was like a two liner, as small as that instance is, I thought it was actually a kind of important and interesting nuance that they included and and the treatment that Mrs. Lowell has for Jesse versus Claudia of yeah. like the extent of anti-blackness versus versus being against Asians. Yeah, like Jesse doesn't even make it through the door. And then the way they talk about it is like Jesse is used to it, but Claudia is shocked and like ashamed almost. Um, yeah. Whereas Jesse is like, this is this is reality. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting and actually uh, seemed right to me. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, Jesse seems like it's maybe not news to her. And immediately after Mrs. Lowell shuts the door in her face, Jesse walks to her friend's house and is crying. It seems like Jesse has sort of an inkling of what's happening. Yeah. But Claudia, there's like a, a start of one of the chapters where Claudia's like, what a devastating revelation. Like, it seems like it is news to Claudia to some degree yeah she's like a devastating realization that i'm different and i was like well i don't know what different like yeah different from are white people right are white people normal and everyone else is different or what's the deal with that yeah i was just gonna say i think that's how kids who grow up in like white communities think though because i think i thought that way where i most of my friends in elementary school were white. Like I grew up in a predominantly white community and I felt like I was different in some way. And I hated that I was different because of, because whiteness was the norm around me. 
So. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I've always gone to really diverse schools and I know you and your cousin have not. Do you feel like there was a moment ever where you remember like some sort of event or or even just like a thought passing through your mind? Like, why is this? Why am I not the same as these other people for whatever reason? Um, yeah, I don't know if it was so much... Well, I think as a kid, I also, like, I wanted to look white in terms of, like, I wanted, like, straight hair. My mom told me one time I told her I want yellow hair because that, to me, was, like, the beauty standard. Um, One time, some girl, like, asked me why my mom talks funny because my mom has an accent. And so it was, like, smaller things like that where I was, like, aware of differences and I think more so just cultural differences and things like that that I was aware of and it just bothered me as a kid that I wasn't the same as like my white friends yeah I don't know yeah I always feel that way that it's more like usually more like death by a thousand cuts than it is someone slamming a door in your face oh yeah one time yeah but yeah Because I was trying to think if anything big had ever happened to me. But no, it's just the constant, like, where are you from? Where are you from? Yeah. Where are you from? Or people used to ask me, what are you? And that would really annoy me. And I would, like, answer. I would be like, I am a human. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? (laughs) I had to do the thing where people are like, what is is happening? Because it would come a lot from other kids. It mostly came from kids when I was a kid. And I would always be like, uh, my mom is from Iran. And then everybody would say, what the fuck is that? No one, like, no kid, no kid for essentially almost up until high school. Every time someone asked, like, what are you or where are you from? I'd be like, my my mom is Iranian. And no one knew what that was. Really? I think especially because, yeah, I think two reasons. One, I say Iran, which is not like the American pronunciation. Americans say Iran. So that they pronounce it wrong. (laughs) And because I didn't, I don't think it occurred to me until I was older that I was saying Iran and they were saying Iran. And so when I said Iran, it like didn't trigger anything. But also Iraq, Iraq, Iraq was in the news a lot more than Iran at that point. So I would, I would usually say like, hey, do you know where like the war is happening? And people would be like, yeah. And I would be like (laughs) very close to there. And they'd be like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't have that. Everyone knew what Egypt was. Right. Pyramids, pharaohs. Right. I'm sure people thought of Egypt the same way they think of like Native Americans, which is like essentially a dead culture. Like, I don't think people think of... I feel like they think of it as like a fictional place. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're a kid. Yeah, you, you're um, right. You just, you think of like the desert, the pyramids and it, yeah, it seems unreal. And like we would learn learn about ancient Egypt in school. So it was, that's what people thought of. Right. This was before the Arab Spring. So <laughs> I feel like Middle Eastern <laughs> yeah. history is like Mesopotamia, <laughs> Egyptians, thousands and thousands of years. The Arab Spring. Yeah. <laughs> to Americans, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think because they do mention Jews a couple times in the book, too. They don't, I mean, they don't talk about, I guess they talk about Catholics. Maybe there weren't enough Muslims in America in uh, small white towns yet in um, yeah. 92. That would have been like the start of it, I feel like. It was pre-9-11. <laughs> it was pre-9-11, yeah, so they didn't care mu- as much. But yeah, I just, I have only one memory, really, when it comes to being Jewish, is that a girl asked me once why I didn't want to go to heaven, and I, like, didn't even understand what she was talking about. <laughs> like, it didn't trigger, <laughs> I didn't, like, I didn't even get anything. I was like, I don't get it. What, I don't understand the premise. Yeah. <laughs> I like it didn't none of the context occurred to me until much later I was like did that girl ask me why I didn't want to go to heaven because I'm Jewish I think I was if my memory is right I was then friends with this girl all throughout high school but like I have an inkling of a memory from like middle school oh did she ask you again when we were older ever no do you did she try to save your soul no (laughs) she knew I was bound for the devil no matter what she did (laughs) So, yeah, finally, I guess at the end of the book, the, like, Mrs. Lowell is a racist and this big band that they're putting together with all the kids sort of coalesces, comes together at the end. Yeah. They're doing rehearsal and Mrs. Lowell 
uh, rolls up and she's like, who's in charge here? And then they point to Claudia and Mrs. Lowell is like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) These dastardly kids, they've done it again. Yeah. And then they also mentioned that they're doing songs from Fiddler on the Roof. They were doing so- – here's my issue. They were doing songs from Annie, and then they decided that a couple of kids had sued Fiddler on the Roof, and then they wanted to do Fiddler on the Roof, which is all fine and well and good, except – have you seen Fiddler on the Roof? I was actually in fifth grade. I was in the chorus for Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> we, that was our school play. I didn't make – I didn't make the play – you know, for an actual role, but I made it to the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most kid-friendly score. But we put it on in our school in fifth grade. <laughs> it's so strange that that's a kid musical when it's, like, really, it's very historical, it's very heavy, and the songs are all, like, dirges. They're all, like, very, <laughs> they're very Jewish, you know? It's very, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if I were a rich man, I guess it's kind of upbeat. Yeah. Matchmaker is kind of fun. But they keep on talking about the the last, or one of the last songs in the musical that talks about the town that they're living in, Annette. Annette yeah, I don't remember Annette that song. <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up. And I listened to it, and it's so sad and so slow. <laughs> it's about It's about the Jewish people being like, well... We've been, you know, we we can't stay in one place. We've been wandering for centuries. Like, this is just the way life has to be. You know, what's a pot? What's a house? As long as we have each other. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they had, like, six-year-olds singing about, like, displacement. Well, they're learning. <laughs> I guess. It's a lot of learning in one book. Um, one small thing that is unrelated to any of the plots or the racism that I wrote a note about. Is it her calling to get page... the weather? Oh my God, how'd you know I was going <laughs> to say that? <laughs> because that was also my big note that has nothing to do with anything, but that I was so yeah. excited to write, write about. I, I was like, I don't remember in the 90s that we had to call a phone number to get the weather. <laughs> that was crazy. I was like... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask my parents... <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I assume you listen to the news or watch TV. Yeah. What I do remember is the Weather Channel would give you the local weather on the 8s. So like 508, 518, 528. And so if I wanted to check the weather, I would go on the, I would like go to the Weather Channel and like on the 8s to hear it. You would know what time to Um, go. Yeah. But I never heard of calling a phone number i was like movie phone (laughs) oh my god it was it was like revelatory to even hear that (laughs) that was an option she calls the number she was like (laughs) w-e-a-t-h-e-r and she calls the the word weather and then the she's worried that they're going to get rained out for the concert she's super stressed about it and so she calls the weather phone number and they say that it's going to be sunny. (laughs) I was like, what an amazing detail. (laughs) And I'm not, honestly, I'm not a person who can really remember pre-internet times that well. I remember pre-smartphone times very well, but I, and I know some people my age remember like dial up and stuff, but I don't know why. I just don't really remember like pre-internet. I feel like I started using the internet when I was 13 or or maybe earlier, like 11. Yeah. And I don't remember a pre. <laughs> no, I remember pre-internet. I also remember when we first got internet, like we had dial-up. And all I would do is like go on Nickelodeon.com and play games. And I like got in trouble for being on it for like two hours. Our phone bill was really high or something. That's a great point. I was thinking about this recently. I used to go on Nickelodeon.com and I think Cartoon Network com maybe they had a lot of great games just like on their web page like web page games i don't know what they're called really now but like little like like flash player you know what i'm talking about where you had to download flash player with that little like puzzle icon yeah yeah like those kinds of games i used to play those all the time incessantly up until like when i was older like watching adventure time with my brother 
and I kind of miss some of them. Like I think about the, I, there was like a Wild Thornberries one I really liked. I don't know. I like <laughs> think about sometimes these old games I used to play all the time, and I have like, no idea how to find them. There was like the SpongeBob Pizza Delivery one. Wow, that I really liked. <laughs> this was a deep cut. And then one where you had to make like Krabby Patties like really quickly. <laughs> it was like the start of digital gaming. Or like, I don't yeah. know, little like app games, kind of. I actually haven't been on like Nickelodeon.com in a while. I wonder if they still have like that kind of gaming on there. Yeah. Or if it's I just like know. kids now all have smartphones or whatever and they just download. <laughs> I don't even know what a kid, what kids are watching these days. Uh, Pe- Peppa Pig. Is that still happening? I guess. I don't really know anything about that world. <laughs> <laughs> My nephew is two and a half. He was talking to me about Super Y, I think. But that's really young. I think that's like kids learning their alphabet. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> super Y. I don't, he kept on saying it. I was like, what's Super Y? He was like, Super Y. But we were also playing superheroes. So I don't really... What's the truth of the situation? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. He's still learning to talk. <laughs> Super Y. Oh, Super White came up. That's not good. Oh, no, Super Y with an exclamation point. Four fairy tale friends go on magical adventures and become reading powered superheroes. I wonder how much, like, educational TV works sometimes. Your, your nieces and nephews watch a lot of, like, that kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, I think they watch, like, Sesame Street. I don't know. Jude was obsessed with this, like, video of this woman singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with, like, cartoons. <laughs> And she would sing it in, like, such a creepy way that it seemed like, you know, like in a horror movie when they play a children's song. Yes. <laughs> and it was just, like, a cartoon video in the background. And Jude would watch that and just be, like, mesmerized. Like, you couldn't talk to her. She was, like, completely hypnotized by it. Right. Well, in, like, 15 years, I can interview her about watching that Twinkle Twinkle Little Star video over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that one's lost to the... A- annals the a- annals annals of history <laughs> <laughs> I always forget how to pronounce that word that one's lost to the annals of history it's lost to history's annals <laughs> okay well I think that's, those are all the notes I had okay it's a good place to end <laughs> do you have any parting thoughts are you, are you going to read more baby uh, Club? maybe I think I still have some of the books at my dad's house. I'll have to see next time I'm there. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you go. Have a good dinner. All right.